Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Grad Life Podcast. This week's episode is with a girl called Laura Jones. Laura works with me at Google. She is from England and moved down to Australia last October. And before then, she was actually running two retail businesses all by herself at the age of, I think, 22 through to 24. So pretty interesting background. That includes recruiting as well, actually, before the businesses and now down in Google Sydney. So pretty interesting background, done a lot of things, dealt with a lot of pressure, I think, in dealing with those. So um, she's got a lot to share and this is a really good chat with her. So hope you guys get a lot out of it. Please let me know any thoughts. Thanks for having me here. Um, I went to um, university. Actually, I'll start probably a bit before that. Um, I was at school and I did a really bad job at school and I, my grades were awful and my friends were awful and I did some weird things. Um, and then I um, and then I met this girl called Rosie who um, was a Christian. She asked me to go to church with her and um, I went to church with her and she she became my best friend and I started learning about Christianity and suddenly my life just fell into into place into into where every kid you know should should be going on a on an on an upward trajectory your grades are getting better you're getting silly promotions at school to peer mentor and deputy head girl and prefect monitor and all of those things um also I'll add prom queen to that accolade wait you got really into christianity yeah when? In what I, age were you? I'm I, not kidding you. I was super... I hated, like, school. I wouldn't... I, I would, like, play up in all of my lessons. I wouldn't do homework. I, my grades were terrible. I would not have been an intelligent person today and work here if I didn't... If, if I didn't meet Rosie and she didn't take me to church. What? So, yeah. context for listeners. Laura is an incredibly impressive person with a remarkable past that we're going to delve into here. I'm I'm very kind of outgoing but very nice. I can't believe so. Jeez, I can't believe that. Yeah, yeah. So so that is, like the, the one of the reasons why I would count myself as um, successful today is is because of that that pivot moment in my life where suddenly getting a bad grade at school like upset me and and that was well actually I'm really not being the best person I can be so I wanna. I want to work a lot harder at this. But it wasn't actually Christianity. Like, you didn't stick with the principles or anything like that. Like, I've never heard you talk about religion much before. Um, I think that since then, my religion... I, I wouldn't call myself religious, but I would, I would say that I have faith. And okay. I think there's two, those are two very different things. Religious is going to church. Religious is a set of uh, patterns and, tr- and trends in a person's... If you do something religiously, you do it often. Um, whereas having faith is... Yeah. Just a like a, a connection with something. A passive that's, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so then I went to um, university and I studied history. I studied history when I was at when I was at um, college. My A levels were um, A, B, C, um, and C is what I got in history. But it was my favourite um, subject. I absolutely love it. I specialised in um, early modern and medieval social history. Um, so it's history of people like you and me, not history of wars, not history mm-hmm. of medicine, not history of monarchs. Um, it's just like general people and their attitude and uh, to changing, ch- changing 
everything, you know, uh, going through the Industrial Revolution, going through civil wars, going through um, um, religious changes, you know. I've never heard of social history before. Oh, our, it's brilliant. Our social history is going to be fascinating. Yep. From our generation, yep. like behavioural mindset changes. I've so actually just started watching a really interesting um, documentary called um, um, The History of Irish Castles or something, and there's a lot of social history mentioned in that about how how when the Normans came over, they, um, or the Anglo-Norman, they, um, they would build these huge Mott and Bailey castles and then, and then um, like, top them up with, with stone afterwards and how that had, like, a dramatic, like, literally a ripple effect from where these huge structures were into, into, into the local towns and stuff. It's really, really good. I knew that Bondi Beach was a boring place in winter, but <laughs> to wind up watching bloody mm. History of Irish Castles, yeah. that's a bit more extreme than I yeah, thought. So when you were in uni studying history, and I know you enjoyed, you were interested in it in, in uni as well, and I know you had one particularly inspiring lecturer, mm-hmm. that guy. Um, what were you thinking you were going to do? So I wanted to be a lecturer myself. Um, and then just then realized that um, you can't just you can't just graduate from uni, do a couple of PhDs or something, and then become a lecturer. It's a shame. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. You have to go through years and years of like boring. I know. Like high school teaching or or primary school teaching, which just doesn't interest me. I, I want to be one too. I don't like. Um, I don't. I don't like children enough, really, to to do to do that. I want to work with, with um with other people. Anyway, so um, I left university and did what loads and loads of British chicks do, which is go into recruitment. So I had my first recruitment job, and it literally it almost killed me. I hated it. I hated every moment of that horrible sales driven sharky environment. It was a, it was for a startup company, and they were, the, oh god, it 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 was it was horrible, and I, I think I was quite depressed um, during that period. Um, worked in Windsor, gorgeous Windsor in the UK. It's stunning, you know. Had uh, had lunch on Eaton Bridge every day. It, it it was really nice, but the the company itself, the people that worked there, and the the type of thing that you're doing, it's 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 kind of. It's like trafficking for jobs. It's well, picking people out of some jobs and then and putting them somewhere else and then finding another person to fill that, that vacant job that you created. It's really weird. Tell the students about what you actually do as a recruiter because a lot of them will probably end up in recruitment. It's a kind of yeah. default job a lot of people it do. It is, yeah. So what do you actually do when you're a 9-to-5 recruiter or a professional recruiter? So um, it depends what kind of business you go and work for. I worked for a startup recruitment business, um, and the reason why it was so difficult is because the the UK market is absolutely saturated with recruiters, um, and you have to be... If you're going to be an emerging brand... Um, in in that really busy marketplace, you've got to be sharky as hell, and you've got to you've you've got to you know do, do things that that actually cross the line with with mora- morality. Mm. Um, like so, what you pull people in jobs they're not suited to. Um, yeah, or you make sure that they they stay there for at least three months so that you can get your clients money because um, you get the the money after after mm. placing them there for three months, and then you go you go and put them somewhere else. Um, 
So basically, if within that job, I would um, I would do a lot of cold calling to find out who um, who had vacancies. Um, so I specifically um, focused on finance roles within the Thames Valley. So I would just I would just be phone up, phone down, phone up, phone down all day long. Hey, is anyone leaving in the business? Hey, what, you know, what does your what does your um, staffing pipeline look like? Um, you know, any, any gaps in any gaps in there that you need me to fill? Oh my God. Um, How many calls a day? Oh, upward of a hundred. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was painful, and my directors were beastly. They were completely beastly. Um, <laughs> beastly. Yeah, they were. They were. They were horrible. They were. They were cocaine addicts, and they would. They would scream at us from across the office. It was. It was just terrible. Jesus. Um. Anyway, and then I was. Um, I was at a party one night. Actually, I had a friend called Jessie, and she loved her job. She absolutely loved it. She was a um, she she was a, a sales executive for a hotel chain. So she would work with businesses who wanted to hire the hotel for um, for functions and stuff. And she loved her job. So I went to her one day and said, "Hey, like we kind of like a friend of a friend." I said, "I don't really." No, I think I sent her a message on Facebook. I don't really know you so well, um, and I hope this doesn't come across as weird, but I'd love to have a glass of wine with you one night and talk about your industry and your job. Um, so she was like, yeah, sure, no problem. So um, we went to the pub, and I was like, hey, so you love your job. The way that I've heard you speak about it before is that, um, um, you know, it's, it, it's something that's really interesting to me, and it's something that I would love to, I would love to potentially explore. And she said... Yeah, sure, Laura. I mean, that's awesome. So she actually left university without... She, well, she didn't go to university. She, I think she flunked out of college. And she started as a basically a receptionist for this, for this chain of, of hotels. Um, and since then, uh, within five years, had worked up to this um, uh, sales exec and, and loving her life. And she said, the only problem is, Laura, you are going to have to start at the very bottom of the heap. If there's one thing I hate doing, it's starting at the bottom of the heap. Um, so I said, oh, okay, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have a think about it, but I'll suck it off. Anyway, um, you know, th- thanks so much for your time. She was like, yeah, no problem. And, and after that, she, we actually became pretty good friends. We used to go on dog walks together and, and talk about our careers. Um, and then one day she was like, hey, my, um, my dad's having this party. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. It was Austin Powers-themed I turned up as Foxy Cleopatra. Um, That's Beyonce's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it is. I had this huge brown afro wig and I wore all gold. Um, it was great. And I... So, yeah, we just, like, hung out. We danced. We drank and had a good time. And um, at one point, obviously, she had introduced me to her dad. It was, her, I think, her dad's 60th or something. And we and I was like, hey, great to meet you. Thanks so much for having me. Um, anyway... So that was on the Saturday night, and then on the Tuesday night, I got a phone call on my way home from from working in Windsor, and I answered in the car, and he said, "Hi, it's it's Billy. Um, you were at my party on Saturday night." This is Jesse's dad. Yeah. Um, and I said, "Hey," and he said, "Look, I um, uh, it, you know, it was great great to meet you, although brief. I've just recently acquired two new businesses, and I'd like you to run them for me." And I was totally stunned and totally like, "What are you talking about?" I, I, Billy, I think you've called the wrong person here because I've never run businesses in my life. And you were 22? 22, yeah. Um, you were a 22-year-old recruiter? 
22-year-old recruiter, one year out of university, and I've just been handed two businesses. Anyway, so I, I like thought the man was crazy, and he said, look, um, ideally, I would like my daughter to run these businesses. She's got all the sales skills and all of the, all of the skills that, that I can develop, but she won't leave that bloody hotel chain. <laughs> um, she said that the person with the, with the most similar attributes is you. Um, so now I'm giving you a call. Uh, anyway, so we, we, we met up about it the next week. Uh, we sat down for a coffee with him and his business partner and, and we spoke it out and, and they said, look, Laura, anything you don't know, we will teach you. Um, and they were retail businesses, right? Both of them? Two online retail businesses, yeah. One okay. selling um, chef's apparel and one selling um, personal protective equipment. So great things to be selling because you're legally obliged to have those yeah. items. Um, so it's like Anne Hathaway and the intern, only a less glamorous product. Much less glamorous. Uh, I, so obviously I accepted the job Yeah. because um, if someone offers you a, a... Well, there was a Branson quote that I read on Facebook. It said, if someone offers you a great opportunity and you don't know how to do it, take it and learn how to do it afterwards. Yeah. So, nice. um, so I took it um, and I arrived on day one. I used to, I, I was pretty fabulous in those days, not like now sneakers and leggings, <laughs> but um, you know, my, my suit dress and my, my heels and I had to be really polished when I was in recruitment. Yeah. So it took me a while to kind of like get, get away from right, that. Right, okay. Um, so I arrived to this warehouse. This warehouse was enormous and full of all the products that we needed to sell. Um, and there was just this tiny little dank office on the left-hand side that was either freezing because in the winter because of the huge warehouse that was next door or boiling during the summer because of the huge warehouse that was next door. Um, and on my first day, the admin assistant quit um, which was really frightening because I thought, bloody hell, this is the only person that actually knows how to run this business. Yeah. She came along from uh, the with the acquisition. Right. So she quit, presumably because she was in her late 60s, looked at me, this tw young 20-something-year-old who's now going to be her boss and thought, no fucking yeah, way, I no can't way, do this. Yeah. Um, so so that, was, that was a shock. But if there's one thing I did know how to do, it was how to recruit. So I had a replacement within a week who right. was phenomenal. She's one of my best friends now. She's brilliant. She's called Victoria, Polish, beautiful blonde woman that rides a motorcycle four times as big as her. She's great. Holy crap. Um, so together we kind of sussed it out and we, we figured out how to, how to, um, how to make, make, uh, make a loud enough noise in the re online space. Um, how to, um, I developed lots of, um, from a B2B perspective de developed relationships that I would directly sell um, like bulk bulk goods to so like construction companies and restaurant chains things like that and then how, one, how, well, was like how tiring was it running two businesses was it yeah exhausting. 14 hour days or mm -hmm. what was the what was the kind of standard I felt like as soon as we were making traction with one business I would start looking at the other one yeah and by the time I'd look back the other one had dropped again. Sure. It was really difficult. How did so, you do it? Did you split days or like cut days in half or did you no. do Monday, the business most, day, Tuesday? The most day? profitable one was the um, uh, PPE business. So I focused most of my attentions on that right. um, and said that the following year when that is at a sustainable level of growth, I will then turn my attention to Chef's Kit because I just, I couldn't, I'm only one person. Yeah. Um, and I've always very much been, I will... My, one of my biggest like things that I would love this podcast to, to put across is 
you are given certain hours of your day to complete a task if you cannot complete that task in those in in those those given hours you shouldn't be doing that job um i'm going to rebuke that okay you go into a bank or a management consultant or even here in google a lot of the time mm-hmm. people have to do they you know our contracts say nine to six and you end up working nine to nine quite often i never do that a lot of people do it do you and they do well in 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 the sales environment yeah or in the banking environment or mm-hmm. in the consulting environment sometimes it's just a cultural thing but you're saying that if it's okay if it's not a cultural thing mm-hmm. don't do it but if it is a cultural thing just go with no, it no i said no don't do it don't, so don't do it. don't do it regardless don't do it. If, you, if you if you someone gave me some really good advice when i started this job and he said that um whatever habits you develop in your first six months in this role will will be become normal for you so go home at, at the time that you want to go home in the first six months and that will become your pattern do i love the person who said that yeah of course you i do. thought that scott, scott simpson mm. um right okay fair enough well if god says it it's gospel <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of people out there in in uni and in uh, jobs that are looking to leave mm-hmm. Presume that running a business or running two businesses, kind of working for yourself, living the dream, all that stuff, are it, it, that's the dream. That is as high up as you can get. It's the most fun day to day, the most fulfilling, rewarding. What's that experience actually like for someone who hasn't it's, had it? Is it something worth aiming for? It's frightening. It's really frightening because I knew if I couldn't make the figures look like they needed to look, then Victoria and I would both lose our jobs. Okay. Were you ever morally compromised? No. Never? No. And so, why would you go from a job to working for yourself and, and vice versa? Mm. Like, what are the pros and cons versus working for great, someone in a great team? Great question. Um, so, when I, um, so, when I ended up getting this job, which, by the way, is because I, again, knew someone. Um, so, my career history so far is complete proof that it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, when I handed in my notice to this guy, he was, um, he was pretty upset and he was um, trying to think of arguments to make me stay. And one of his arguments was, why do you want to work for a business that you're never going to own? Um, and I said, Paul, please... Please don't be so negative. There's a there's a high possibility that I may well one day be the CEO of Google, um, and um, it's 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 an interesting thought. But right now, what I could recognise was that, yeah, I probably I probably do want to do that again, and I do want to be completely autonomous and and have something and walk into a building knowing this is all here because of me. Yeah. Um, but right now, I'm in my early twenties. And I completely need to learn and I need to be working with people that are far more bright and brilliant than I am to ensure that, that I'm developing at a, a really, really brilliant pace rather than working on my own. Victoria is awesome, but there's only one of her. Yeah. In a dingy warehouse where, yeah, it's, it's all mine and it's all, it's all because of me, but am I learning? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. When you talk about learning, and this frustrates me sometimes, not in this case, but sometimes people say, oh, I, I, I hate my job, but I'm learning. I hate my job, but I'm learning. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's an example of the learnings that are required to fill the gap between you being a good CEO and not, that, say, a Google or something else could give you? Like, what's an example of a day where you were in the office, in your, um, in your retail business, mm-hmm. 
and you needed something that you would have learned working for someone else but that you didn't have I'll let you think about that because mm-hmm. that's a kind of like that's a yeah. pretty reflective question but I just hear people say they need to learn all the time I'm a big believer in like learning on the job yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I just kind of wonder I, I, I'm guessing that there'd be some people out there thinking the same thing saying I'm gonna, who are sitting in a job they don't like and mm-hmm. thinking I'm going to go start my own thing and everyone around them is saying no no you need to learn more learn more oh, yeah, what are these okay. learnings that everyone's talking about yeah I, I think it, it completely depends on your learning style but I know that my learning you know everyone has different learning yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my learning style is I'm really uh, from other people like from, from looking at someone who I, who I think bloody hell you've got your shit together Yeah. and spending enough time with them until I figure out how they've done it Mm. Um, whereas what I was doing before is very much solo learning and if that appeals to some people and, and that is the best way that they learn and that's how they enjoy to learn then certainly go off and, 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 you know, and do an independent um, enterprise project on your own if, yeah. if that's what suits you but I know that, that that didn't very much suit me I'm the opposite my dad once summarised my learning style with this thing this little saying that kind of was, came way before if you tell me I mightn't hear you, if you show me I mightn't see you, but if I experience it, then I'll never forget it. Yeah, and that's yeah, very yeah. much my kind of um, mm-hmm. my, my style of learning. Mm-hmm. Is there such thing as being too young then to, to run a business? No. Why not, given There's all the not learning There's not such thing supplies? as being too young, but there is such thing as being in, in the wrong phase. Like, I don't think that the phases of your life and the age that you are are two of the same things. Okay, um, I agree. But I was in a phase that I, I, need, I need to, you know, spread my wings and, and learn from people and learn what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I didn't know if I wanted to, to run these two businesses for the rest of my life. And it looked awfully like I would be doing that. And yeah. that really frightened me to think, this could li- this could be the rest of my life. Yeah, I'll probably move house a couple of times. Yeah, I might have a few kids, but this will always be my life. Yeah. And I figured it out at twenty two. What? Yeah. I don't want to do that. I want more question marks, and I want more. Um, you more know, mystery. mystery. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I had the exact same. When I was in the bank, I thought I was going to be a banker for life as well. Um, yeah. And little did I know that it was just around the corner that I was going to uh, going to take off. Hmm. Yeah, I'd definitely go for the um, for the mystery as well. And I think it's actually Scott Simpson taught me this as well. That eventually you get to a point where there there are things that you're that you're happy to have mystery in, and there are things that you don't want to have mystery in as well. Mhm. Um, now going or one thing I wanted to go back on first actually was, you really didn't like recruitment. You're a no. very outgoing person. If mm-hmm. I met you for five minutes. I'd say maybe she'd be good in recruitment or in sales. Mm-hmm. And I, I often fall into this trap because I come across as outgoing. People think I'd love sales and I really, really don't like sales. <laughs> um, I'd much prefer to be in, in an introverted space and thinking yeah. about things. What, is the per- what parts of your personality didn't fit well with recruitment? And what type of person out there, can you say, without malice, mm-hmm. would be right for recruitment? Yeah. Okay, so the parts of my... I have to believe in something if I'm going to sell it. Yeah. I don't believe that me, having just finished university in a, with a degree in history, of all things, is going to be better informed than the CFO of Nokia in choosing his new finance director. That, like, 
not only do I not believe it, nobody believes that. <laughs> but it's my job to try and convince him that I know more than him. Yeah, okay. Which is ridiculous. Okay, so I would have thought that recruiters do nice things because they bring people from jobs they don't like into jobs that, you know, hopefully they do like. Oh, yeah, and, and lots of recruiters do that. Um, but where the main focus of my job, because we didn't, we were such a new business, was that it was mainly on business development. So it was about finding and acquiring clients. And that's when you do the like, whoa, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna put someone that's unhappy in a job that they might like more or they might hate it even more. And actually yeah. finance just isn't for them. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then what, who would it suit then? Um, I think that recruitment would suit, recruitment in an established recruitment firm is probably completely different to what I experienced. Um, Generally speaking, those people are, um, are outgoing, they love people. Um, I'm pretty sure in my interview I said something like, they were like, why do you want to do recruitment? And I said, I love people. Right. Um, and co coming back to, I mean, loving the product that you sell, there were some occasions that I would meet a fantastic, newly qualified ACA accountant from EY who had all the, all the interpersonal skills that accountants normally don't have. Yeah. And I would believe in him and I'd be like, do you know what, Finbar, you're amazing and I'm going to make sure you get the best job going. And, and, and you go out there and you're talking to your clients and you're like, look, Gary, I know that you're not recruiting at the moment, but I've got to tell you about Finbar. Yeah. And there were small pockets of, of stuff like that that I enjoyed and I really felt like I was going to make Finbar's life really great. Um, but most of it was misery and gloom. Yeah, okay. So like, if, if, if somebody is thinking about recruitment, just just go with the right company yeah and know that it is a sharky world it's it's a it's um in the in the uk it's it's really really competitive my experience from recruitment here in australia my best friend just started in a recruitment um business in melbourne is really positive because really? because the um the industry is it's not as saturated so yeah, you're not as yeah. morally compromised and exactly. A grad going into recruitment should be prepared that of the proposition of being morally compromised. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but did, did they make good money? I heard recruiters can yeah. make good money. Yeah, I was surprised yeah, yeah. when I heard that. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, but it's all, it probably depends how good you are. Yeah, bonus um, and sales. But, um, it's, it's, it's as salesy as it comes by the time. Yeah, the most annoying thing about recruitment for me was that um, I was in permanent recruitment so, um, and I would, I would um, either, I would be recruiting for, for C-suite um, guys so some of these some of these mandates could take three to five months to take find the right person you find the right person final interviews have happened um packages have gone across she's signed on the dotted line and two days before she starts she finds out she's pregnant and it's not the right time to move yeah. like it, you're selling a product that can say no mm. right now i sell adwords adwords have no say in whether yeah. or not they want to be sold yeah um but but there's lots it's a brilliant foundation for any, if, if you want to go into sales, because it's the hardest sales job you'll ever have. Yeah, okay. Now, you've sold in three different, you've been in sales in three different environments, effectively, mm -hmm. not, not de definitively. Yeah. But you've been in recruitment, you've run a business, which obviously involves a lot of sales, mm -hmm. and you've been in, in a strict sales job in Google. Mm -hmm. How has sales been different between those three? Um, or is sales sales? Is the art of convincing just no, a simple art? No, the, the, the big light bulb moment is your brand. 
the, the, the sales is far more difficult when you work for a startup or you work with these micro companies that you know I used to manage. Yeah. Um, it's you know you, you say hi, it's it's Laura calling from Company X, and they're like, what the hell is Company X? Yeah. You say hi, I'm Laura, I'm gonna call in from Google. People sit up and they'll listen to you. Yeah. They they might still give you a hard time, but they'll give you an extra three minutes to do your elevated pitch, yeah. and to get your foot in the door. Um, that's yeah, that's the main enough. difference. And um, any personality traits that are different? I'm guessing that you'd need to be much tougher selling as an entrepreneur than as a, oh, yeah. as a sales rep. Oh a yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and there were there were points that I would be walking across um a, 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 the the yard in a construction um center with my heels with like with four huge safety harnesses on my back like delivering them to a customer like it was it was a real stark comparison to how to where i had come from i can picture that in the big fancy clothes you were talking about yeah with the, with the high heels on with, oh with the blonde God. hair like walking like oh yeah big time big time and actually i think half the reason i sold as much as i did sell was because of that shocking contrast yeah, all of my sure. competitors were men in their late 50s yeah so yeah, suddenly okay. this this new whippersnappers on the scene, um, <laughs> yeah. Which interestingly, actually, I, I made enemies that way. I had a horrible one of my suppliers. Um, I'd I'd undercut somebody else, um, and and one new business um, for it, it was a, um, uh, a like a concrete manufacturer, which and is there's loads there's loads of PPE that goes into a concrete um, making concrete. Right. And so um, yeah, I've gone in and I'm like. Hey, buddy, I'm new on the scene. I'm like, tell me what you're paying now, and I will make it less. And he's like, yeah, all right then. And and anyway, I did. I managed to make it was considerably less, and I was still making great profit for myself. So I've undercut him, and we've gone through a few orders. And obviously, his previous supplier has suddenly been like, hold on, Marcus, where's my orders? Yeah. Um, and he found out about me and complained to our mutual supplier. Right. Mutual supplier gives me a call and jumps down my neck saying that I can't do this, this industry's been running for years in this, uh, you, know, you know, don't disrupt the, the status quo. And I said, hold on a minute, how do you expect me to win new business? This is, this is how it works. Yeah. This, is, this is how, and he said, no, this isn't how it works because it's, it's an old boys club. And I was completely disrupting this old boys club whereby this guy was working off huge, because I was selling him the exact same product. This guy was working off huge margins and I've come in and I've managed to almost halve it and still yeah. have a really comfortable margin for, for my business. Um, so, so disrupting that old boys club was, you had to be so, so thick skinned. Yeah, for sure. Because they'd, they'd come at you, tell you and tell you, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. They think that, you know, you're a little girl and yeah. you, can be, you can be treated like that. Absolutely untrue. How does that, and this was always going to be brought up, but what's that like for uh, young girl in business. Uh, do you oh, think, it's horrible. Do, do you think it would? Do you think I would have had an easier time in there because I'm a yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I could just fit into the old boys club and be the young whippersnapper and yep. get on their side and all that stuff. Yeah. Whereas girls get shut out. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because, and, and I, I think that is because I I am more threatening in that industry than you are. Why? Because I am this stark, stark contrast. Yeah. To you. Yeah. Okay. You're the unknown. Yeah. Yeah, and they don't, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so hang on, do you think that then, where a lot of females would say that being the odd one out makes it very hard for them, mm -hmm. do you, can you see a spin of advantage there? 100%. Can you a talk about that? A thousand percent. 
This is the same argument as why is it that men have to leave the toilet seat down? Why don't women also leave the toilet seat down? Hang on, where the hell is the line between you know those? Two, you know there's two toilet seats, yeah? You've got the one that we sit on to yeah, take yeah, the yeah. number twos, and then we've got the lid. The top one, yeah. Yeah. The girls always put the top one down. Whereas the lads just... I don't even know what the lads do, actually. The lads just never... The, the lads never put anything down. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. But the argument is, is like... there's a, My brother and I had this great chat one day about toilet seats because we were in France skiing together and we were sharing a room and he would never put the toilet seat down. Right. And he'd say to me, why don't you lift the toilet seat... Uh, you know, I wanted him to... to um, lift it down he said why don't you and sorry I wanted him to you you wanted it down yeah I wanted it down um and but he would always leave it up and he said well hold on Laura why don't you leave it down I said what he said why is it my job to leave to pull the toilet seat down when you're the the one that wants it down like why should that be 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 my job yeah Yeah, and this is the first time I'd ever heard anyone say this argument before because it's like I'm pretty sure it's normal society is like men leave leave the toilet seat down for the girls Um, but it's the exact same process it's like well actually there are lots of benefits that women have when you know we talk about feminism okay well let's remove the toilet seat I'm I'm lost on the toilet seat I I (laughs) hate to do this (laughs) But you're saying that there are advantages that that women have that men don't. Oh yeah, don't have. I had a massive a competitive advantage in that industry because you were an unknown. Yeah, and I think that's half the reason why um, the guys that uh, that bought these businesses wanted me. Yeah. Okay. Where else does that advantage manifest or show its face? Sales, I'm guessing. Yeah. Sales. Because an attractive girl and shows actually, up in sales. Yeah. My. Um, I had a, a colleague when I was in recruitment called Franco, and he um, he attributed my, I was doing better than him in terms of um, hitting our targets. We were of, of the same level, and he would attribute the fact that I was doing better because I'm a girl and I flirt on the phone. Right. Um, so yeah, that's another. Which is probably true that that a female's voice in a in a male dominated sea level um, yeah. environment probably does cut through the noise and a little bit even better. Even if it's not deliberate flirting, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's not deliberate yeah. flirting. No, no, yeah, that, yeah, yeah no, that, but, it would, but yeah, that's a that's a catty comment that he made. Yeah. Just like my you know my old supplier that that I disrupted the status quo, so he you know said those things. Yeah. Where do you land on feminism then? on the argument that women are oppressed in the workplace. Uh, oppressed is a strong word. I think, I think whoever is right should, whoever is best for the job should get the job. Yeah, be, he, be he a man, be she a woman. Yeah. But I think historically women often, I don't think it's fair that a woman shouldn't get, um, shouldn't get a prominent position because she is, you know, of the age where in the next couple of years she's going to be having a baby. Yeah. Like that is completely unacceptable because I work on the system that the best person for the job should get the job. No matter if, if in two years they, they are going to decide to have a baby or indeed they won't. Like it's, there's a reason why people aren't allowed to ask that in an interview. There's a reason why that's illegal. Yeah. Um, uh, this isn't my own thoughts but I'm going to play devil's advocate mm-hmm. you could say that the best person for the job means not just the, the match of talent mm-hmm. and skill sets but who's the best person for the job if it's a CEO job say 
a CEO or job isn't a 12 month thing. It's a mm -hmm. five, 10, 15, mm -hmm. oftentimes 20 year thing. So who's the best person for the job? This is a long-term job that needs to be done. And if someone is likely to become pregnant within three years, mm -hmm. then they're sure their skill set might match the best, mm -hmm. but their long-term suitability. If you're talking about long-term, then it's certainly the woman. Yeah, she might be out of the job for, 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 for a year. Yeah, a year, yeah. Um, but if we're talking about a 20-year project, would you rather have 19 brilliant years or 20 okay years? Like, if we're talking long-term, the, the answer is simple to me. Actually, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, you win. Do you think things are going to change much in feminism, or do you think it's kind of... Do you think it's already caught up? We work um, in a very progressive environment. Yeah, here. I'm not that exposed yeah, to, to, the um, to, to, the, to the real world. Like, women here are treated brilliantly. Yeah. Um, I'd, I don't know. I... Yeah, the honest answer is I, I don't know what's what the future holds for women. Like you know what, if if we were to see a fifty fifty split across across industries, across verticals, across countries, for um, women in work, would we see any, like, would we see any beneficial impact on on each economy? I, mm. I've got no idea whatsoever. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the, the quota thing. I really don't. I'm with you 100%. Yeah, it's, I don't it's, think it's it makes whoever's sense. best for the job. If that happens to be 10 guys, great. If that happens to be 10 girls, great. Just yeah. whoever's best. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Um, I was going to ask <coughs> about the time you reached out to Jesse. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of people can be shy about oh, being. A lot of us are in I that situation. I was really often. shy about it. Yeah, yeah. and in the, when I was in the bank and I wanted to leave. I didn't know who to reach out yeah. to. And luckily there was a girl in Ireland who said, talk to this Irish girl in Sydney and it yeah. all went, Google has happened. Yeah. But it would have been, it's almost, it, it can be sort of embarrassing or humiliating reaching out yeah. saying, hey, I don't like my job or I'm not yeah. good at my job. What do I do? How did you address that? Or how did so you go about that? I, I was super nervous about it. And also I felt like in some ridiculous sense it was like me admitting that I wasn't happy and that yeah. was a big issue for me to, to do that because yeah, I, exactly. think, I think I was depressed in that time so for me to admit that I wasn't happy like I felt like it could have sent me down a spiral that I didn't know where I would end up so I actually approached it I framed it in a different way I framed it like a salesperson and I framed it in the way that I I said you really enjoy your job you love your job I've all I keep hearing you say how you really love your job and I'd love to hear you talk about it some more mm. like I'm, I didn't make it about me yeah well um, <laughs> so I just I just asked her and I just asked her a thousand questions about what her what it looks like and and how it happened and you know what what her manager's like and ju I just made it about her and, and yeah. she being another salesperson tried to ask me about me and I said huh. no 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 we you know we're just here to talk about you right now yeah um, but if I hadn't have done that I wouldn't have been I wouldn't be in. I wouldn't have ever worked um, um, for for the, for the two. Yeah, the two businesses. Yeah. Yeah. And then you wouldn't have wound up. And here. then I wouldn't have ended up here. So yeah. it's all these strange things. So even the way that I moved from PPE kit, chef's kit to Google was um, when I back in recruitment, I had done some training with um, with a, a few other recruitment businesses in Windsor, and I met a guy called Alex. Um, and within that, um, you know, we, we learned about how to get around the gatekeeper and how to know if your candidate's lying and mm. all of these stupid things. And we just kept in touch on LinkedIn. Right. Um, and then one day at sh when I was, you know, in the warehouse, either shivering or sweating my guts out, 
I was on LinkedIn and I noticed that his um, his job had changed to Google in Sydney. So I shot him a message and said, "Sounds like you've won the John job lottery. Congratulations! Probably never see you again. You know, take care. Bye." Um, and he replied saying, "Actually, Actually. I think I, you could be really good for this. You know, our training really worked here." So although. And anyway, you know, I had subsequent interviews and then I was flown over and that's why I, I work here now. But And you've got a boyfriend, you've got a nice life in Sydney, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's incredible. Like for for like less the biggest lesson that I've learned from my career so far is always add people on LinkedIn yeah. and always reach out for help when, when you need it. Yeah. Like because both of those two things have got me to my next career yeah uh, my next career career move were so, you close there'd be a lot of people out there with their hand on the phone thinking about calling their jesse yeah were you close to not calling jesse oh yeah absolutely i really deliberated over it for probably two weeks and then there was a moment where i think something really really shit had happened at work yeah. and i and i went outside for a cigarette smoking at the time and i just thought i'm gonna do it now because yeah. i've got nothing to lose exactly um and also like that person I think it, it probably can, we're now moving towards a conversation of like mentors and, and, and how beneficial mentors yeah. are within your career, whether they are a member of your family or a friend or, or whatever. Um, but always reach out. The more, the more times you can reach out, imagine every time you reach out that from your fingers create roots and they just go into other people. Yeah. Every time you reach out, you create, you create a bond with someone else. Mm. Um, and and people are flattered by it. Jesse was totally flattered by it. So. Oh, hundred percent. And you just you plant seeds, and then also, and they, you know, Jesse has, because of her in, indirectly, she is a person at Google now that can help right if ever she needs yeah, that precisely. sort of assistance. Yeah. And, um, you know, people benefit from yeah. helping others oh, as well. Yeah. It's a mutual thing. Yeah. It's a trade. I I see it. I'm just making this term up, but I see it as social dominoes. Yeah. You just did a tiny little tip by yeah. calling Jesse. And then a domino fell when yeah. you when you started that business. Then another domino fell when you just tiny tip and you reach out to Alex. Yeah. Lands up in Google. It's just that these dominoes fall from the smallest of efforts. Yeah. And that's what kind of defines our, our path, I think. Mm. Yeah, I'm a big big fan of that. Who have been your mentors? Who haven't? Who have? Oh, um. So my my mum is my biggest mentor. Yeah. Uh, my mum is um, wonderful, and she's taught me a lot about mindfulness, and she's taught me a lot about how to um, how to how to take a problem and um, and make it a strength. Um, so there's there's lots of there's lots of ways in which you know, she is my she is my go to. It, almost too much she's my go-to when when I was living in in the UK if anything happened be it business-wise be it um be it socially be it romantically whatever it was anything happened pick up the phone talk to yeah, mom okay. and so this is one of my biggest challenges was moving to Australia yeah. was I can't do that anymore yeah. so for the last nine ten months I've really had to learn to to be my own mentor yeah. uh, because I've just had this infallible woman yeah. that not only is my number one fan but also gave birth to me so has to love me and take my calls yeah um so it's been a really really big learning for me um so yeah she she is my most prominent mentor but i also um another more business um more so than anything else mentor is my um he's my godfather he's called brian he um he's he's just wonderful he's a salesman through and through he was um he used to sell life insurance, which is one of the hardest things you can sell over the yeah. phone. 
and um, his wife, uh, they were newly married and they were struggling, living in Birmingham at the time. And his wife used to say, do not come back unless you've made sales. Uh, and he would stay at work and he would hammer the phones until he found, he found a dialogue which would work. And again, this like, mor- like triples over to morality because yeah. life insurance is, there's obviously a big cloud about yeah, which course, ones are right on that yeah. one. But he's just brilliant in, he, he, he doesn't say well done. He doesn't, he doesn't ever big me up. He doesn't, he doesn't, we just catch up. I tell him the facts, tell him how, how it's going. I tell him what I've achieved at work. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure that he keeps his own little spreadsheet and he types it in as, as I'm telling him. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure because he just kind of stays silent. I can hear tapping. I um, do that with friends on calls as well. Yeah. <laughs> I take notes. Um, but, but he, yeah, he's, he's wonderful and he's great, great, great advice that I find is, is unbiased. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's really, really important in a mentor. My mother is obviously completely biased. Yeah. But um, Brian... He's he's all about the business and he's all about. I think one day one day he'll tell me well done, mm. um, and it will probably be the best day of my life. Walt, Walt <laughs> Disney never said well done either. He only ever said like the best you get was that'll do. Oh, so if someone yeah. showed him a cartoon, he goes yeah that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> and they put it in and it's like Bambi or it's something. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, don't take it personally. Okay, we'll finish up with uh, some quick fires. Inspirational person. That's that. Sorry, I'm gonna like they can't look up your mom. Or they can on Facebook, but they, they like inspiration yeah. person. These guys can look up. Queen Elizabeth the first. Really? Yeah. Why? This is. Um, this is she, so English. Of she you. is my favorite monarch. She's completely like eccentric and did some really fucking bizarre things. Queen Elizabeth the first. Yeah. Holy crap! Okay. Um, That's the first. What what sources? Is that the one that someone did a movie on? Someone oh, did a movie. there's loads of movies on her and books on her. Um, but she she was just brilliant in that. She took a very, very, very divided England and she she soothed it. But yeah. she also had fabulous affairs. She wore the most ridiculous outfits. She... Um, no, fabulous she affairs had, like cheating on people? Oh, no, but not, not affairs. She was never married. She was, she's the, oh, right, she's right, supposedly okay. the virgin queen, but she would absolutely get yeah, some yeah. nookie-nookie. <laughs> um, and this is, like again, like this brilliant, brilliant um, HR... Um, projection that she had on society that she was the virgin queen she was married to England you know this is the woman that said I, ha- I may be a weak and feeble woman but I have the heart and the stomach of a lion yeah um, that's very cool but okay. yeah she's just she's just great like I love reading stuff about her okay she's also a bit crazy but the best uh, women are no the, the best people are full yeah. stop inspirational book uh, how to win friends and influence people by what's Dale his name Carnegie Carnegie yeah yeah okay when did you read it uh, four years ago right yeah I read that I mean, yeah, probably about four years ago as well inspirational quote uh, this is from uh, a Disney film called Haunted Mansion right um, you try you fail you try you fail but the only time you ever stop the only time you ever fail is when you stop trying okay nice and I love that it came from Disney as well yeah I've got a little obsession with Disney people. Um, a trip you wish you did? Uh, there's so many trips I wish I did in Europe. Now I live so far away from it. Um, Would you have travelled more in Europe? Absolutely, yeah. 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 Mine, is, um, mine is South America. So we'll just say for you, all over Europe. Yeah. Opportunity you wish you took? Now you seem to have been pretty good at it. Uh, no, I don't. I'm, I'm happy with all the choices I made. Yeah. And you took some risks as well. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a life fully lived. Uh, 
risk you wish you took? So you have taken risks. Are there any that presented themselves that you said, you know what, that's actually a bit too mad? <laughs> um, no. No? Taking them all. Well done. Um, any habits you wish you had in uni or as a young professional? I wish I could meditate more. Meditate more? Yeah. Do you do it now? Every now yeah, and again, I, but I, I, I fall asleep a lot and I'm not good at it. I need to take a lesson or something. It's hard. It is hard. All of the most successful people in the world meditate. I know. That is not a coincidence. But I find there's like alternatives to it. So you see, I, I walk around outside yeah. on my own yeah. at least once a day for half an hour. <laughs> and that's like the most tranquilizing thing. I yeah. actually find that more tranquilizing than me. I come in completely refreshed yeah. from that because I've been out with nature, fresh air, How all that stuff. Is that as well. world? tranquilizing yeah your own form of meditation like when I do yoga I feel like that is a form of meditation I come out feeling like the feeling like my skin is gold yeah. like I feel so refreshed and like topped up of everything that I needed yeah. And, yeah do you remember the time the thing we did in Bali the um the massages mm. I felt so clean oh, that how was good unbelievable was that? Yeah. yeah no I love all that stuff and the same with the uh, the sauna uh <laughs> habit we you wish you didn't have Vaping. Any easy ones there? Vaping? Yeah. yeah. My, one of my best friends at home is obsessed with vaping. He knows who he is. <laughs> um, why did you get out of bed in uni? What was your kind of driving factor in uni? Probably my friends. Just friends I lived, the crack. I loved living in halls and in uni houses. I lived with six of uh, five of my best friends and I would wake up in the morning, my alarm would go off and I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah like I've, got a, I've got a lecture coming up. And then I'd kind of think about it a little bit more and be like, I wonder what Dan's doing. Yeah. I wonder what Emma's doing. Where's Charlie? Did yeah. he come home last night? What happened? I love that and I miss it so dearly. Yeah, I love that as well. Just so doing fun. nothing and eating burritos and watching movies at yeah. the house. Yeah, oh, the so best. good. The best. Uni life. Oh. How has that changed over the years? How, like, what gets you out of bed today? What gets me out of bed today? I know that's like a huge is... question. I think it's something to do with my mum. I think it's something to do with making her proud. Really? Yeah. yeah that's awesome. I can't exactly put my finger on it because you've just asked me, but I, it's something to do with... I think it's that I'm so close to my mum and I'm so far away from her right now. Make it worthwhile. Yeah, okay. I get that. Yeah, fair enough. Was the move hard? Yeah, really hard. Yeah, Hardest sure. thing I've ever done. Okay. Well, one of the best, I'm sure, as well. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Okay, well, uh, on that note, any parting note for these guys? You've given some very good inspiration. My favourite, I think, or a big one, is um, the advantages of being a girl. Yeah. And having girls look on the on the positive side of, of things that they might see as being against them. Yeah, we'll find, a, find a way to make it work for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And but that, that isn't like, sort of accepting feminine. That isn't no, accepting no, no, the, no, that's yeah. not us saying at all. It's just yeah. like the system's corrupt, use it, use it to your advantage. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We still have a long way to go, but while we're in this bad situation, let's make it better. Yeah. Okay, well, John, thank you very much. Oh, it's been an absolute so pleasure. Welcome.